0: What's up, everything? With a dearth of topics to talk about, we're turning to our favorite podcast hack, robbing topics and entire discussion questions word for word from The Athletic. We'll be borrowing heavily from Dom LeCision in this episode, so we're sorry about all the mean things we've said about him in the past. Well, kinda. It's time to talk about some negative opinions of the Blues, the World Junior Championship, and God knows what else as we dip into the mailbag. So let's get started, and let's go, Dom! everyone welcome to the two guys one cup podcast it is sunday august 21st i was gonna say the last day of summer but that is a month away (laughs) summer ends too late i don't know it starts too late and it ends too late i'm not agreeing to this june to september stuff that's ridiculous
1: no gun to my head My birthday is at the very beginning of September and gun to my head. If you're like, what season is your birthday? And I'd be like, fall. (laughs) It's
0: like, no, not even close. That's right. But no, but I agree with you though. Uh, But in any case, we are here. It's the Two Guys, One Cup podcast. I think I already said that. We're back. Um, We're back. It's been a while. You know what? We've got a schedule now for the summer. We're ready to grind. We're ready to put in the work. We've got the dog in us. All right. We do. Mm. We've got the dog inside of us. (laughs) Uh, I will fancify that schedule make it look pretty and you know nice and try to tweet it out tomorrow or i'll you know completely forget all of that um i would say i would put it 55 45 at this mm. at this moment and you know it's up to you 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 pick which one is 55. And check, check
1: twitter right now folks see if it's there you're that's listening right. to, go to this in the future <laughs>
0: that's right uh ian i have to say two things before we start in earnest. One thing is this, we have a, a mutual friend, well, mutual acquaintance, I don't want to speak for you, but uh, a German friend named Nicholas, uh, mm-hmm. and the other day he introduced me to a German rap song, um, and I've had it stuck in my head for 48 hours, of roughly, and today is his birthday, which hasn't helped um but uh so if you hear me rapping in German that's what's happening there I don't you know I expect to control myself but you know sometimes the flow is too extreme and you just have to let it out the second thing is and this is very important uh, I just went to the gym before we did our um little podcast thing our little podcast thing here that we did and it's That's right. And I want to stay hydrated. So here's the thing, since this is an audio medium, we can send subtle visual clues to each other. So if I need you Hmm. to stall, and I'm going to go get water. I am going to give the subtle hint where I will say, "Ian, could you stall so I can go get some <laughs> water?" And our listeners will never
1: know. going to so. <laughs> stand up mid-sentence and just walk away. That's how <laughs> bad he needs water. That, so
0: I'll say, I'll scream out, "Ian, can you stall so I?" Thank for water? love of God.
1: <laughs> this the Sahara does it in my mouth.
0: Folks, stay hydrated. You know, stay hydrated. I will say, I've uh, I've been really trying to drink. More water just in general. And uh it's felt great. It's it's crazy how the thing that your body is what, like 80%? I forget the number. Uh, It's it's that's a big part of making you (laughs) feel good. You know, that's it's weird, but it's true. That's what your body craves. That's true. And uh last thing, last life update that is of absolutely no importance, Ian. I've been playing the first horizon the mm. you know zero dawn the one before the really nice one for ps5 and i am loving it so i just wanted everyone to know that that game that came out six years ago <laughs> it's as good as everybody <laughs> stunning, <So>. just stunning <laughs> yeah. someday i'm gonna play
1: red dead redemption 2 and i will tell you how great that oh, game please do yeah is. you should do
0: that so that you can catch up and at least i had like a three-year head start on that i mean you know i didn't play it new but i played it recently and <laughs> uh or i loved it when i did play it so those are my life updates anything you want to get into before we start the podcast um
1: i'm i'm almost done with elden ring I'll, i'm gonna get there i'm so close oh, he's doing it i'm so he's close. nearly there
0: i've perfected,
1: perfected uh how to fight in that game just long enough to then beat it and then never play it again <laughs> uh-huh Perfect. and by
0: perfected do you mean learned how to just cheat your way through each boss or are you some, actually? Are you some, actually some. <laughs> No, on some
1: of my do if they're if they got some slow attacks or predictable, I can roll, baby. If they're the somersaulting dog, I fought. Uh, I just pray to God every time <laughs> I fight it. Um, no, that's that. That's it. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other life updates. No, not really. Nothing. Nothing too crazy. Um, there's a Pokemon that's a, a motorbike, but not the two that you know of. It's like a pre-evolution. It's called. Psych- Cyclozar, and it looks dope.
0: Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for Pokemon. We're actually gonna be talking about some uh, Pokemon later on in the show, so you know. Just a tease. Stick, stick around for that. How do you spell Cyclozar?
1: Uh, C-Y-C-L-I-Z-A-R.
0: Why did I think it was psych, like psychic? <laughs> Not like a cycle don't, sh- don't show me r- results for cycle bar <laughs> i meant what i typed and i typed what i meant
1: google said i only knew this was a word less than 24 hours ago
0: that looks great and i'm stoked and also i hate these pokemon designs and also i love them so right. there we go that's um life's a circle yeah that's right and a flat one at that <laughs> 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 Life is a flat circle. Uh, Speaking of things that are flat circles, the World Junior Championships took place in August this year because COVID. Man, you remember how quickly Omicron was and then wasn't a thing anymore? Mm -hmm. That was crazy, huh? Uh, Yeah. That's going to be like that last COVID thing that we're going to, you know, tell our kids about where it's like, yeah. And then and then for a second, we thought the whole world was going to shut down again. And then we were like, nah, Nah.
1: (laughs) everyone just said, no, thanks.
0: (laughs) That that was when we both started to finally break and be like, you got to just stop at some point. And then they did. They did stop. They 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 heard a collective cry. Yeah, everybody reached that conclusion at roughly the same time. Um, but yes, they were rescheduled to August this year. Uh, all of the players who were eligible in the you know holiday window that they usually fall in are eligible again or were eligible again um for this tournament nobody lost eligibility even though you know many of the players aged out in the ensuing uh oh yeah yeah that eight months sense. um but. However, we did have the hurdle of um, the, you know, players getting drafted highly didn't get to play. So like uh, uh, Slavkovsky didn't play in this Mm -hmm. um, and um, Simon Nimich didn't play in this. So, you know, and there were a number of other, you know, kind of players who might have like Jake neighbors Mm -hmm. could have played, did play, I believe in the, Couldn't Owen Owen Power possibly played, too? Yeah, Owen Power would have been eligible, but a lot of those guys who are, like, either certainly or very likely going to play with their NHL teams um, didn't get to come to the tournament, so that's a bummer, but a few did. I mean, a few guys that are, you know, Mason McTavish, who we'll talk about at length, um, who you would assume is a duck this full season, uh, you know, got to play and, and played extraordinarily well. So um Canada wins the gold defeating Finland three to two in overtime last night. Kent Johnson, uh, your local channel four weathercaster scored the golden goal in overtime. Um, you know, he checked in from the channel four storm center and uh, in front of the, in the crease brought to, right. brought to you by, I don't know, brought to you by car shield. And, uh, he scored a, re- a very nifty goal, but yeah, he's the he's that former, I believe sixth overall pick of the blue jackets who, you know, looks to have a long future playing alongside Johnny Gaudreau, which, you know, probably worst things that you could do with your career. Um, Gaudreau even tweeted out something like, you know, way to go, Kent Johnson, blue jackets. I feel like you know, have you ever seen that NHL rumor bot Twitter account mm. where it'll just be like, you know, Sidney Crosby has been traded to Magnetogorsk or whatever? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Um, I feel like I feel like Johnny Gaudreau tweeting about Columbus Blue Jackets prospects in the World Junior Championship is basically that level of weird. You know, like mm-hmm. okay, this is happening. Um, but yeah, Canada, despite entering under a cloud of well earned controversy, not for any of these players, you know, credit to them. Um, they look great. This was Canada, usually at least stumbles somewhere, you know, or or has a little slip up. And I think the worst thing you can say about Canada is that, like, they kind of played Latvia a little closer than they should have one time. And as we'll talk about, uh, Latvia played better than anyone expected, so even that you can't really you know, super, super hold against them. Uh, Sweden took the bronze. Sweden is like a a constant bridesmaid in this tournament. They're like, they've won, I think, two golds all time. Can you believe that? Uh, Maybe three, but like, yeah, it's, it's a phenomenally low number of golds, but lots of medals. And they had a 52 game undefeated streak in the qualifying round. So for over a decade, they won every Game in the qualifying run, and they still have won like two golds, and one of those was in the 80s. So, um, that's kind of how Sweden roll I don't know what's up there, but uh, they did beat Czechia to take home the bronze medal. Czechia, Czechia, which I'm not used to saying, or Czechia, Czechia, probably, I guess, Czechia. anyway, Brown. that country, um, <laughs> upset the United States in the quarterfinal to get to the semifinal where they then lost to Canada and Sweden. Um, so they did, uh, did, you know, after a kind of underwhelming qualifying round, they pr- played pretty well too. Uh, Ian, I, I, assume you didn't follow the tournament too closely like the millions of other hockey fans also didn't. <laughs> so I'm just kind of giving this like a report since I followed it fairly closely for the hockey writers uh, and wrote the daily preview articles. Um, Why was the United on- it so bad? Well, that's the weird thing is they had one of their best qualifying rounds too. Like they almost always start slow, at least in the years I've been watching, and then this year they were just like right out of the gate, just killing it. And mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what Czechia did to stop them in their tracks, but man, yeah, it was it was a, a shocking upset. And it was four to two. You know, I mean, I think that involved a, a late empty netter, so it's still a very close game. But you know, it wasn't like. Wasn't like a, a squeaky one nothing overtime victory or something, it was well learned,
1: yeah. Like, Chechy, I feel like, is a always kind of like the fifth team, maybe like sixth team, if you include Russia normally. And that you know, I them beating the US or beating a Finland, the Sweden, whatever I can see that happening. It obviously did happen, but it's just crazy to me given the fact that I was checking these standings like every day and I saw the United States was like, like second you know, only to Canada. And I was like, oh, we're looking pretty good. And then all of a sudden I was like, mm-hmm. what the hell? This is like, makes no sense. So, I mean, you just play a bad game. It stinks, you know, it's it's a one and done. Um, But I guess for some of those players, much like Canada or any of these other teams, um, they can come back, you know, depending on your age and whoever you are yeah. or what team you've been drafted for, you come back and play um this December and January and get yeah. a, get another shot at it.
0: And the U.S. was really lacking... Um, a lot of star power at this tournament. I mean, they had Logan Cooley was playing Luke Hughes was playing. um, So they had some guys for sure. And, and, you know, they certainly shouldn't have lost to Czechia, I don't think, but they weren't, there wasn't that centerpiece up front or, or those, you know, kind of go-to guys. It was more, a lot of like late first, early second round kind of guys that, you Mm -hmm. know um, I think they, they scored a lot and and all across the board in their, in their first couple games, their qualifying round games, but some of their leaders like Thomas Bordalo, Carter, Carter, Mazur, Matthew Coronado. Like, I don't, I remember one of those three guys being drafted even, you know, so it's like, and I'm, I'm pretty into this stuff. So they're kind of just good prospects, I'm sure, but not the kind of marquee guys that you would normally associate with the U S or Canada. So I think that may have hurt as well. Mm. Um, I was going to run through some top performers storylines that sort of thing if you're okay with that as we yeah people need to know this is the only hockey story we had to talk about so I mean all that's going on but they're all negative because the athletic (laughs) hates the blues but um so Canada was obviously the main story of the whole tournament Mason McTavish which is by the way just a chef's kiss of a name that's really really good that's like a that's like a stanley x-man sort of name, you know <laughs> oh yeah um, for sure mason mctavish was absolutely dominant uh eight goals nine assists led the tournament he's an anaheim ducks prospect and it's a um performance eerily reminiscent of another an- anaheim ducks pros- prospect uh you may remember named trevor zegris so um you know Mm-hmm. Zegris, I believe last year the last full year that they had one um had a, a similarly dominant performance. so that would have probably been over two years ago now because they canceled the one tournament but um he had a similarly dominant performance and um you know now McTavish has and probably will go straight to the NHL, I would assume. Uh, Olin Zellweger, who is another, you know, prospect. I don't know a lot about, but he was another Ducks prospect. He finished third in points with two goals and nine assists. He's a defenseman, uh, Logan Stankoven, who I know we love just because of his name. Uh, it's actually Stankoven, but you know, I'm going with Stankoven. Uh, he looks great. He's a Dallas Stars prospect. I really wanted the blues to draft him. Um, Connor Bedard presumptive first overall pick next season uh, looked very strong as a 17 year old playing with some guys you know a lot of guys over 20 that's pretty impressive Um, and Ken Johnson we already mentioned looking great uh, both on the ice and behind the desk in the newsroom at Channel 4. Um, Finland had a lot of scoring early on they are kind of a Finland's kind of the You know, third or fourth team when you rank them, uh, usually coming into these when rushes in in play, but they pretty much always find a way to. Challenge for a medal and be there at the end. They've been really successful at the WJC for for a while now. I believe they have three goals in the last decade, three golds in the last decades, maybe only two, but a lot of medals in general. Joachim Kimmel, uh, who went to Nashville this year, another player I was hoping would fall to the Blues, but I think he went 17th. He was very strong. He had four goals and eight assists. And then one of the really fun stories, I think, of the tournament is uh, Aturati, uh, which I'm not guaranteeing that I'm pronouncing that correctly. But uh, if you remember the name, it's because he was supposed to possibly be the first overall pick in 2021. Uh, and he sank all the way to like 50 with the New York Islanders. I mean, way deep into the second round, um, kind of like Brad Brad uh, Lambert did this year. Um, I think he went to... Uh, um, Winnipeg, not to the Islanders, but Roddy fell way, way far. Uh, and he looked awesome this year, So, or this tournament. So I think it'd be really cool to see him kind of turn it around and, you know, show the doubters what for. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that was cool to watch. And I hope he has a, a nice long NHL career in front of him. US, we already mentioned uh they looked awesome for most of the tournament, but then they had the disappointing loss to Czechia, so they were out. Uh Sweden, they have the top goalie prospect in the world, according to some, including the athletic. Uh Joachim. Nope, wait, 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 wait. Uh Wallström, what's his first name? It's escaped me because my mind has broken. Um Jesper Wallstedt, That's what it is. Good Lord, my brain just melted <laughs> down for a minute. Uh, Jesper Wohlstedt, Uh He looked awesome. He stopped 125 of 133 shots against for a 940 save percentage and 162 goals against average. And then in their uh, qualifying round loss to the U.S., which I believe was three to two, and he stopped stopped like 40 shots. Um, he had some quote Scott Wheeler tweeted about like, this is all on me. I betrayed my country. I let my teammates down. And I was just like, stop it. Ryan O'Reilly want to be, stop being a martyr. I know. I was like, Um, I know,
1: I know being a goalie (laughs) is a little different,
0: but man, you gotta, gotta (laughs) ease up. You're so young. Even if he had like a howler in in the end, like the game winning goal was a howler or something like you still got to You got to control yourself. You stayed 38 to 41. Um, but he's going to be really good and he is going to be on the Minnesota wild. I feel like a lot of the players that looked really good in this tournament are going to be in the NHL central division. So that's not, that's not happy. Um, but Sweden's big story was they basically had no offense whatsoever. They didn't really have much offense from their stars or potential stars in the qualifying round, but their defense and their goaltending was good enough to, you know, get them through. And then they ultimately fell to a one, nothing, uh, shut by the Finns in the semifinal, which put them in the bronze medal game. They obviously went on to win that. Um, but you know, that was, uh, a big, big lack for them and something they'll want to address when the tournament starts again in four months. Uh, and then Latvia was really cool. They were kind of the Cinderella story. They were late replacements for Russia and Belarus. So like, as I, be- I believe I understand that Russia was the, Russia was the, obviously they're always in the tournament. They would have been in, but they got banned because of the, you know, the happenings. Um, and, uh, I believe Belarus won the uh, or was supposed to be the team that would be promoted by winning the under, you know, the, the there's a like a B-tier tournament. Um, and they uh, also had been banned by IIHF. So Latvia stepped up and you just kind of thought that they would be whipping boys and they, you know, got beat. Twice early by pretty wide margins, uh, but then they forced an overtime loss to Slovakia. Then beat the Czechians five to two and advanced to the quarterfinals. They obviously lost there, but it was still a really cool story for the team that, you know, normally wouldn't make it that far. And as I already mentioned, uh, Slovakia didn't have their big guys Slivkovsky and Nemec, uh, and that showed they just didn't look good. I think the two teams, the the teams I didn't mention here specifically, Switzerland, Germany. Austria. And uh, I didn't say much specifically about Czechia, but, um, you know, nothing super stand out for them. Austria and, and Switzerland were not great um, and are kind of lacking star power. Germany is really lacking the power that they've had in recent years, too, with your Siders and your um, Tim Stutzlas and those kinds of guys. J.J. Paterka, um, they didn't have really any any super high NHL prospect kind of guys so they were they actually looked pretty good so props to them you know they're they seem to be building a program that's actually going to last and not just you know a couple of big stars but um they didn't make it super far uh so next year's tournament starts in about four months it will be december 26th that's pretty much always the day after christmas um through january 5th um it's it's actually going to be really cool like winter because you've got the World Cup from like right around Thanksgiving up until mid-December and then you get the World Juniors starting right after Christmas. So I'm going to be a cool time for international sports. That'll be a lot of fun to watch. Um, But I thought we could talk about some of the Blues players that might be making it uh, next year. I was triggered to think about this because Scott Wheeler tweeted out his uh, What Canada's 2023 world juniors team could look like uh, and he included zach Bolduck on the fourth third line uh with um Fantilli, who i believe is like a, a top three prospect i think he's the third of the top three prospects in this upcoming draft and uh matthew savoy who was drafted this last year um so uh yeah, I mean, Bullduck, I think, is – I wouldn't call it a lock because, obviously, Canada's always got a lot of talent. You've got to be right. healthy and all that, but you assume that he'll probably be there. Um, gun to my head, judging by how the uh, Americans look this year, I would guess that Jimmy Snuggerood, who we drafted um, first over – not first overall, but um, <laughs> with our first-round pick this year, is probably also there for the U.S., mm-hmm. um, he is only 18 um, and he's a young, you know, he's real young. He was born June 1st, so he will only be 18 when the tournament comes around. So maybe he has to wait another year. But, you know, with a 23rd overall pick, um, had a really you know strong season last year. Uh, I think he'll probably make it. Um, that's just a guess. But, um, you know, I think, I think he's probably going to make it. That is, he's going to, I believe he's going to college, right? Not mm-hmm. So he may, there's always some question about whether college guys can even play. So that could always be a, a deterrent. And he might not make it because of that. Um, Alex Santeri Kaskamaki, who uh, is a finish forward <laughs> that we drafted this year that I will pretend to know a lot more about in a couple of weeks when we do the prospect pyramid. Um he's got an outside shot. I just don't know enough about the hammer or the finish roster to tell you like, yeah, for sure. He's going to make it or for sure. He won't, but you know, I figure anybody drafted in the top three in the last couple of years has a shot. Um, And then Simon Robertson, I also think uh, is, you know, an outside shot. He was the 2021 third rounder. We took out of Sweden Um, and he is a scorer as I recall, which is something the, swedes desperately need so um he's another guy that i'll possibly watch out for but i think we'll at least have Bulldogs. so you know blues didn't have anybody this year um so it'll be nice to have somebody at least next year um which is not really next year it's a couple couple months away so any thoughts on the world junior championship and apologies for dragging on before we move forward
1: I'm excited for the next year because yeah, anytime blues prospects are in there, it's a lot more exciting and just it being in the regular schedule where like you have that downtime around the holidays, anyways, where you can actually have some time to like put these on and watch them. That'll be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Uh I agree. And I'm looking forward to it. This one definitely felt, you know, there were basically no crowds, a combination of the time of year and and the stuff going on with. Hockey Canada and, um, you know, I think, uh, I think it'll be a lot better to have it in, it's in Moncton and Halifax next year. So, you know, those smaller towns will probably show up because what the hell else is there to do in Moncton? And, um, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. So, as I mentioned, uh, in the top, in our intro, there's not so much to talk about with the, um, hot world of hockey right now. So in finding topics to talk about the blues about, that was a badly constructed sentence. I thought we could discuss a couple of uh, athletic articles that have dropped recently. One is a fan survey, uh, in investigating owners confidence in the, uh, St. Louis blues. Um, and one is a, uh, Dom decision contract efficiency article which is very impolite to the blues so I thought we could run through those (laughs) before we dive into our mailbag does that sound like fun to you Ian you're already stuck so it doesn't really matter
1: I'm here so you know it's a great time
0: um but uh but yeah I thought we could get into it and talk about some of the things that they talked about. So Dom had um, seven questions on his fan survey, which I was still able to take, uh, even though the article had already been published. (laughs) Suckers. Um, So uh, those questions were basically rank on a scale of one to five, uh, your confidence in your team's ability to do the following, roster building, cap management, drafting and developing, trading, free agency, and vision, and then the final question was, how has your confidence in this team's front office changed in the last year? Um, So let's go through these, Ian, and I will give my answers, and then you can give what your answer would be um, to the same question. So my uh, confidence in our team's, our front office's roster building, I gave it a four. I mean, I think... I've got some concerns that I definitely didn't have this time last year. Um, even as I look at it, I think, I wonder if I should have been a, more of a three, maybe I was in a good mood, but um, <laughs> I still think, you know, fundamentally at its base, Doug Armstrong's pretty good at building a hockey team that's competitive for, for years on end. Um, so I can't really tank him too much there. How do you feel about Dougie in the front office and roster building?
1: Yeah, I think if you're gonna, I think I'd give him a four in the sense that, yes, they or he is able to build like a good team that's competitive every single year. Like, I don't think there's a year that we're ever that we ever feel like out of playoff contention, even the one year we missed the playoffs, it was only by a point or whatever, in the last game. Um, so we're always there. But I think maybe recency bias, I'd give it a three just because I'm. I feel like he's he understands what we need maybe offensively and what we need uh, maybe even at forward a little bit better than say on the defensive end of things. like I feel like we're just kind of like have a backlog of okay defensemen. Um, and so to me that it's sort of like it's sort of a three and I think of Thomas Ferris and I'm just like you don't really build or quote unquote build a roster with a good like back goalie and I'm just like. Ugh. I'm a little more on a three this year but I think overall I guess I'd give him like a four for his for his tenure you know what I mean um but yeah
0: I think that's fair um cap management uh is one of the two places I hit the hardest I said a two um I could have said a one but there are teams out there that are like crippled by the salary cap and giving guys away for free that are valuable um, because they can't manage the salary cap so I don't think we're quite there we're not in Minnesota territory we're not in Vegas Golden Knights territory but our our defensive cap situation especially is a freaking nightmare uh, mm. and it's Doug Armstrong's fault so I don't really have a lot of leniency there a lot of willingness to give him any um, any kind of an out just because of you know because I wanted to feel good. Not that he's reading my responses anyway, but uh, he is, and they hurt uh, extra bad because he values my opinion very highly. So, uh, take that, Doug. Where would you sit on the cap management question? I imagine you're pretty close to where I'm at.
1: Yeah, I. I mean, again, I'm I'm like a lukewarm uh, bowl of water. I'm like a three, where I'm like, you know. Uh, some as we'll talk about uh, later some good contracts some bad contracts some that are just down the middle for me i think our cap could be managed better than it currently is i also think like you're were saying we're definitely not in that tier where we're in cap hell or we have way too much money tied up in like just terrible players or anything and to doug armstrong's credit as people always trumpet he's one of the few gms who've never bought anyone out um you know for better or worse but i mean there's, although at there's, some
0: point he's just doing it he's just not buying anyone out to yeah to just to keep that, just
1: keep the streak going <laughs> um he should buy someone out right before he like leaves and retires like you know what see ya <laughs>
0: um somebody really good like you know robert thomas like fuck you guy. <laughs> this is my guy
1: and he's leaving too ride or die with robert thomas um yeah, I don't know. I give, I give him a three overall. Again, I think maybe this summer, especially with the Nick Letty contract, um, to a lesser extent, how much they are spending on Grice, which obviously isn't a lot, but I feel like you could have spent that exact same amount of money on somebody better. Skipping mm-hmm. um, away Veron because you just couldn't stomach to give him a little bit more money. You know, it, lots of these things. Unfortunately, the summer kind of rear their ugly head. But overall, I think he's a three. I think that's what makes him a good GM because I think a lot of these other things actually are even more in his favor. So having like, okay, cap management uh, doesn't sink him necessarily.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's about where I'm at too. I was probably a little harder than you, but drafting and developing, um, I give us a four, uh, could be a three. I don't feel like we've drafted a lot of like I'm a little. I guess I. I guess I'm not a five because I'm a little unsure of where we are right now. You know, I haven't mm. really seen the neighbors or the or the, um, you know, Bol or obviously Snuggler pan out. Um, but when you look at the grand history of of um, Armstrong's tenure, you know we haven't ever had a first round pick that was just an absolute bust the closest you know and and you would definitely qualify him as a bust but um jordan schmaltz um you know as much as he wasn't a first round level defenseman he still played nhl games played for a couple teams you know had some time uh, wasn't that kind of like you look back and you're like who the hell is this person kind of mm-hmm. name you know um you look at all the way back to like the first crop of guys that we drafted and developed, back Oshie, um, Backus, Bergwind, Um, I know a lot of those guys predate um, Armstrong, but then you look at Tarasenko and Schwartz, um, Barbashev, you know, all the defensemen, Edmondson, Pareko, all those guys that we've drafted. And then obviously most recently with Thomas and Cairo, you um, Know to some extent, Biddington, although he's more of a a kind of diamond in the rough miracle sort of situation, and Joel Hofer. I mean, I think the record speaks for itself. Honestly, maybe should have done a five here. I mean, how many teams are really, you know, consistently producing quality NHL players without picks above the 20s, you know, which Mm -hmm. we haven't had in, in years, really? So, um, I think that really speaks to the the booze talent and maybe they should have been even higher, but where are you sitting on this one?
1: Yeah. I I think I give them a four just because we don't seem to necessarily be um, who am I thinking of maybe like Detroit in the, in the latter years or in the earlier years that is, or Tampa Bay now where they're like hitting on like all their like fifth rounders and sixth rounders and stuff, which is almost more, you know, luck than anything, but I do think, like you said, the Blues managed to develop NHL players with the few picks they do have, the later round picks they do have. And it is something that um, you take for granted because if you look around the league, there's a lot of teams, uh, the Oilers, the Buffalo Sabres, you know, some of these teams stink for as long as they do. Be, not only because they're like mismanaged or you know shitty trades or signing around people but they're doing a lot of that stuff because the, nothing's coming for them because they make these picks and that these people are complete busts and even mm-hmm. like the first or second round which is when you should be hitting on guys um those that's not a guarantee so just because the Blues like well yeah they hit on that first round guy you know thomas kai or whatever they maybe hit on a second round guy and then everyone else is just kind of a a washer, maybe or maybe they make it here and there they're kind of a a plug-in guy HL player it's like that's that's still really good because <laughs> you can you're yeah. not guaranteed that by any means um so I think the fact that pretty much every player that the Blues have drafted and needed to be a player in the NHL has become that um or they have become that that's that's a big deal and that, I think that gives them at very least a four and like you said maybe even a five because that's that's not a given, and they mm-hmm. they do it consistently. And my anxiety brain <laughs> can't take that as a positive, and actually has to worry about when when is the other shoe going to drop, which means that we're doing a good job.
0: Yeah, um, trading I was a, a no hesitation five. I don't know many guys in the NHL who have a better track record of trades that have. Almost exclusively never bit him in the ass, uh, than Doug Armstrong. Even the trades I didn't want him to make, like Nick Wetty, other than the re-signing, which really isn't part of the trade, seems to seem to have worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. He's able to get rid of contracts through trading. He's able to um, acquire great players at absurd deals. I mean, the Pavel Pucinevich price um in hindsight is just embarrassingly low ryan o'reilly you know you can talk about ooh tage thompson scored 42 goals last year but you know we'll see if he's a brad boys or not but i certainly don't even if he even if he's a consistent 40 goal scorer for the rest of his career i don't consider that trade one that i wouldn't do over and over again in my sleep um and that's been true you know really his entire tenure all all the way back to halak bo meester um you know uh, Tarasenko, even that trade um, mm-hmm. anytime he's needed to make a major move other than the Kachuk deal, which um, didn't really weigh into my thinking here at all. Cause it was a trade that he didn't make and, and maybe that's his fault, but um, yeah, I gave him a five pretty, pretty without a question here. Where were you, where would you sit if you had answered these?
1: Yeah. I'd, I'd give him a five for sure. Because I mean, the only trade I can think of off the top of my head where I'm like, eh, in retrospect, is like the Oshi trade. And mm-hmm. even then, at, at that time, I was like, yeah, we should trade Oshi because he's not working on this team right now. And we got um, what's his face? I can't. Uh, I can. I can see his name. Brower.
0: Troy Brower. Brower
1: thank you, mm-hmm. um, Troy Brower, who gave us that that fun Game Seven goal against Chicago. Again, it didn't work out in the long run. But even his worst trade still had something fun come of it, or whatever. I know some people will go back and look at like the Ryan Miller trade, and be like, "Well, that wasn't a good one." But I was like, again, in retrospect, or like that's maybe in 2020, looking back on it in hindsight. But at the time, that was a move people wanted to make, and I'd still say it wasn't even the worst move because you had to move on. What were the
0: consequences? We didn't lose anybody that. Really went on to do anything. I mean, I think Halak was good, he had a great career, but like he was done here. Didn't they um, clear
1: Chris Stewart with that too? Halak and Chris Stewart, Stewart. Yeah, people they were going to trade um, him, anyways. I don't even yeah.
0: remember. I think the first round pick they gave up became like uh, nobody important.
1: <laughs> like I said,
0: Buffalo, and not we the got best Steve draft Ott, them. who was with the team for like a decade. So, you oh, know, yeah, I that's right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like. I don't think that's really, if that's your worst blemish as a, as a GM. Uh,
1: yeah. Those are, those are totally just like, uh, whatever trades. And again, I think at the time there were trades that people wanted to see make or made anyways. So I, yeah, I don't, I can't think of one that was like just terrible. And again, you you take that for granted because there are, <laughs> there are, uh, GMs that just make shit trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Shrelly who's in the uh, front office now. Um, yes, that don't make the best of trades. So you gotta, you gotta savor this while you have it. So I, that's it's always fun. Literally anytime my phone dings, it's either my phone telling me that every Sunday, like what my screen time is for the week, <laughs> or randomly Uber trying to give me something. Or the Blues app. It's those three things, and anytime mm-hmm. it dings, I get a little excited. Even though ninety five percent of the time, ninety nine percent of the time, it's the Blues telling me, "Watch this Zach Bolduke move. Watch, look at our dog bandanas or whatever." <laughs> and, but Uber I'm still Uber
0: gives you updates all the time.
1: Yeah, Uber's like, "Come back to Uber," and I'm like, "What? No thanks." I'm in um,
0: car. I'm a the Lyft West guy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but. uh Yeah, and the mostly other times the blues thing, and I'm always hoping it's a trade because Lord knows it's always like a fun trade and it's almost never a trade where I'm like, oh no.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. He's really good at it. Flip side of the coin. uh, I gave him a two on free agency. This maybe is a little harsh because I feel like Free agency aren't waters where he chooses to play a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't think Doug Armstrong would ever do his business through, business through free agency if he had any choice in the matter. Um, but we saw him botch the Peron thing this year. Uh, we saw him sign Nick Weddy, which I don't love that contract. That's not really free agency, but it kind of is. The whole debacle with Petrangelo leaving and and panic signing Krug. Um, you know, I don't really remember a time. You know Brandon Saad played pretty well here last year, um, but I'm I'm cautious about where his contract will kind of project to be in in a couple years time. I don't really remember a time, and correct me if you can think of anything where Doug added a really quality impact player through free agency who made a big difference for us for for a long period of time. Um, Paul Stastny was better here than he got credit for for sure. Um, but I feel like the guys who do do well here in free agency are kind of like those guys on the margin who either played kind of bit roles and played them well or whatever, or they're like the super basement divy kind of like Brian Elliott types where it's like, I don't even expect anything from this guy. And then he was like, okay, obviously in Elliott's case, a lot better than okay. But you know, that kind of renovation project he seems to do pretty well on, but when it comes to hiring signing main, you know, top-tier free agents. He doesn't do it a lot, and when he does, um, it doesn't feel like it's ever made a huge impact. Do you feel differently?
1: No, I mean, I feel about the same. It is kind of interesting to think of, like, all of our big moves have always been through trades and then re-signing those guys, and even sometimes the re-signing part has been the hard part for Armstrong, right, where it's like, oh, just a little too much for a little too long, Um, but it always seems... Okay. But yeah, the UFA signing, it's more just, yeah, not really any high impact guys. I guess he's never really signed a UFA contract that's like hurt this team, which is good. Um, But he's never really signed anyone. That's like you said, made a big impact on this team either. And to a, to a certain extent, that's, I appreciate that because he's not getting caught up in the whirlwind of uh, free agency day and, the summer and having to sign that big name and giving out too much money and that's kind of why we're a team that's in a decent cap situation but at the same time I'm not going to pretend that I'm not losing my mind (laughs) every July (laughs) 1st or whatever whatever whenever July 1st falls and you're given COVID year uh because yeah that can be annoying it's just like do something fun Doug do something real wacky and he's like I'd rather I'd rather stay in you know, the steady I'd hand. i sign like,
0: Nolachari. Yeah. I know, I'm like, great. Um, he also did not, we now know officially, sign uh, Nazem Kadri, as so many expected the boys to do,
1: That's uh, right. to be
0: a final bidder there. I will insert that here just because I'll forget to insert it anywhere else. Kadri going to the Flames. So um, kudos to the flames, I suppose, for... Trying to you know salvage a really great season and and turn in a really good one next year by massively shuffling their you know forward group in significant ways. I will say that with their contract structure structure and age, there are some certainly some major concerns about the uh, other end of this bell curve, and they may be on the downslope sooner than later. But I give Brad Living credit for being bold. Obviously, he either wasn't given permission to or didn't have any desire to rebuild, and he did a really good job making a team that's going to be competitive, going to be good next season, Um, so kudos to him, And, and I'm glad Cadre's off the market, and I'm mostly glad ian that it wasn't some bullshit lou Lamorella situation oh, yes. where we would find out he's just been signed for six months and lou lam's just being cutesy about it so i i do
1: like how islanders fans so yeah he signed in calgary i feel like i heard less from calgary fans on twitter and more mm-hmm. from islanders fans that weren't even necessarily like how could you lose out on more like dude, I thought you were doing something this summer and everyone signed and we've got nobody, you like old sack of crap. Yeah. Islanders fans collectively lost their shit the minute Kadri signed in Calgary and it wasn't even necessarily because they lost Kadri. They're just mm-hmm. like, you've done nothing for us.
0: Well, that's the thing about that whole thing is like as, as cute as Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman may think it is, it's really shitty to the fans. They deserve to know what their team's gonna look like. And mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know. I anyway, we've ranted about that before. But in any case, vision. Um, I gave it a three because I don't know what the vision is, but normally Doug Armstrong has one. So I'm not gonna sit here and say, I don't see the vision, so it's a one. Um, I think throughout his, you know, tenure we've seen times where maybe the vision wasn't clear to us and then it became clear pretty quickly. Um, so Uh, I gave him a three, probably deserved a little higher, but after this offseason, I'm a little worried. So uh, where would you sit on that one? Uh,
1: I guess I'm a three just in the sense that he, generally speaking, this team is not lost. And I also feel like that Armstrong normally has a good idea on like, if this team's headed in the right direction or not. But at the same time, just as a fan, I feel like I don't know what the direction is. Like, I believe he does, Mm -hmm. just that I feel kind of lost. Like, sometimes you do hit a summer where you're like, we need Ryan O'Reilly. And I know that Doug Armstrong (laughs) knows we need Ryan O'Reilly. Like, you can kind Mm -hmm. of feel you're on the same wavelength somehow in some way. Um, But yeah, I think this summer kind of scratched my head a little and it was like, I get all all the reports and all the interviews with him are like, well, we're, you know, I just want to keep us competitive for as long as possible. And I think we just have a different definition of competitive right now. Um, So I think his intention is good. I just don't know if, I don't know. I don't know know if we're going to be in cup contention in the next two or three years, depending on, you know, what he does with the roster or if what he does with the roster ends up putting us in a bit more of a retool rebuild and it's like Mm -hmm. I think I think both are on the table right now because I just don't know what to what to expect from this team this year so I kind of I'm just like right down the middle out of three
0: yeah yeah that's fair that's where I was um and then I think you'll answer this question the same way as me. So let's answer it quickly. How has your confidence in this team's front office changed in the last year? More confident, no change, or less confident? I went comfortably with less confident because of the Peron stuff, the Letty stuff, missing out on Kachuk, still having Tarasenko and and um, Scandella uh, for pretty much all the reasons we just talked about in the vision section. I went with less confident. You?
1: Yeah, definitely less confident. Um, you know, not not leaps and bounds or anything, but it's like, yeah, definitely not um not necessarily feeling the same vibe as Armstrong at this point. So I don't I don't know. I'm sorry, Doug. I want to believe. You can make me believe again, but right now I just I'm I'm questioning he you a could, little bit, sir. He
0: could, he could always hit us with that pre camp howler trade. I know. It's yeah, like, come on, give me that Justin
1: Falk trade. Let's do it, baby. Come um, on. That's the Terasenko trade. My dad's convinced that is getting traded like before. The season starts
0: i could see it i mean i that could also be the Lele Morella thing too that's the mm. frustrating part of it
1: that's well that's what i told them right i was like well they don't hit. they didn't get johnny gaudreau they didn't get the cadre they need they need scoring i was like i don't know I
0: don't yeah know. i don't know um but we'll not speculate on that yet um quickly running through what the fans and the public he had he had a 32 team survey and then a, a one team survey. So, uh, running through what people said on all of those. Um, the uh, overall, we got a B minus 3.6 out of five. Um, with the one to five rankings, uh, that was good for 12th in the league. And I don't know if that's fans, public or total. I guess it's total. Um, but it's interesting. The public generally more positive than the fans. Well, I guess that's not true. I guess there's only a couple places where they're even different. Um, but uh, roster building, the public gave us a B for ninth. The fan base gave us a B minus for 14th, which uh, was interesting to me. Cap management, we got a B minus from the public and a C plus for the fan base. I think the fan base is a little more plugged in on that one. Draft and develop, we got a B from the public and weirdly a lower B. I don't know exactly how that's calculated though from the fan base. Um, 10th and 14th trading, the public gave us a B minus and the fan base gave us a B plus with uh, a seventh overall ranking. You know, I think that's, to be expected, we're paying a little closer attention. Free agency both gave us a C plus, vision both gave us a B minus, and total, as mentioned, B minus from both. Um, Change in confidence over the last year, The interesting thing here is that the public got more confident by 13% um, and less confident by 19%. The fan base, only 3% said more confident and 48% said less confident. So that's a pretty big uh, shift, I would say. Um, Any thoughts on any of that from the public?
1: Um, the, the public's right. I, that's interesting that <laughs> it's interesting the fan base. I mean, I guess it makes sense as fan base is going to know what the cap structure is and these contracts will be better than the, uh, the public necessarily, but yeah, it's interesting fan base, give them a, give them a C plus, whereas the public gives it a B minus. Um, cause I honestly really think a lot of fans are like this, this contract's fine. This contract's fine on Twitter. So I would have thought that blues fans would have overestimated how, how nice these contracts are um everything else i mean it looks like they're pretty aligned and everything trading again i'm a little surprised that fans say it's a b or i've taken it back b plus for trading is good uh for the fans b minus out of the public maybe that's i'm assuming some of this a little bit of a recency bias too or it's like oh they haven't really done that much trade-wise or blah blah, blah. i feel mm-hmm. like people i think i even forget that the Pavel bushnevich thing wasn't a uh, UFA signing. I forget that it was a trade. So like sometimes I think people forget he's even here. Yeah. Um. I mean it's one year, so I get it. But yeah, I mean I I actually agree with a lot of this. I think this was pretty measured in terms of like how both the public and the fan base view the Blues right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it makes sense that there's no like a pluses and the fact that trading is the closest thing we have to like the best thing. And same with like cap management and free agency being pretty low. So, you know, blues fans, good job. You understand this team. <laughs> if yeah. you're subscribing to the athletic, you seem to actually know something about the blues and therefore uh, align with us because we know something about the blues.
0: Yeah. Speaking of the athletic, we're not affiliated with them in any way nor are we sponsored by them, but considering that we're ripping off pretty much our entire episode from their uh, article content you know, if you're not a subscriber, I would just say it's a great experience and you should consider it. Uh, so please don't sue us, Jeremy Rutherford or Dom Wesson. Um Moving right. on Throw to another yourself. Dom Wesson article. Uh, we'll run through this a little bit quicker because it's sad and boring, but he <laughs> ran uh, through contract efficiency for every team and the Blues got absolutely roasted. Um, I, I think it. they finished 23rd overall. They were justifiably roasted on a lot of things, but... um. The ugliest part is that there is no surplus value on the defensive side. He obviously feels very low on the Pareco signing ranking at one of his 10 worst that came out before this. Um, so That's uh, pretty ugly. Everything on the defense was a C-plus at best. That was for Bortuzzo, and Falk. They were projected to have minus 2.1, minus 1.5, and minus 4.3 surplus, quote-unquote, value. Um, And then Scandella, minus 5.1 million. Letty, minus 13.4 million. Yikes, there's only 16 million dollars on that contract. Krug minus 14.3 million and minus minus 31 million, which by the way, I'm a I'm a big not Colton Pareko fan, and that's absurd. Um, so uh <laughs> Dom, you know, and he's gonna address it here. Um his model really hates the blues, um, and he always says, well, maybe I should adjust it because they keep outperforming it, but he never does. Um, and then he's a really snobby douche about it when he's called on it, and that's where I start to have problems, because just own it if you're going to be that. But in any case, um, Pavel Buchnevich got our highest grade. He was an A-, minus, projected to have $10.2 million surplus value. Jordan Cairo $4.8 million surplus value. Uh, he's just got one year left at $2.8 million, though. The Thomas contract came in at a $2.1 million surplus value. Um, we'll see if that holds. You know, he could have another fantastic year and start to pro- prove that wrong. Josh Levo and Ivan Barbashev, both on one-year deals. We do have a lot of forwards on one-year deals. Mm-hmm. Um, Nolichari, Logan Brown, Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, Quim Costin, all Projected to be at less than a, a million dollars negative surplus value. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then Brandon sod minus 2.2 million. So that's not too bad. Uh, that would be our almost best defenseman. <laughs> um, and then Braden Shin is the other one that he really hammered at a minus 13.1 million at a D plus. Overall, he says, as if the Blues fans didn't hate me enough. Well, here they are, one of the league's top teams languishing near the bottom five in cap efficiency. Oops which is where he gets (laughs) kind of douchey. See, you don't have to be a douchebag, Dom. Just just own it. Just say that your model says it and then don't be a dick about it. Uh, We know already that the model unfairly brings the blues down a peg and that will come across when grading the team's contracts. A lot of players are better than GSVA makes them out to be. And so the team's contract efficiency is likely better than giving credit for here. Players like Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko come in looking like slightly negative value contracts when they're probably closer to slightly positive positive, especially O'Reilly. Uh, Jordan Kyrou should look like a much bigger steal, too, and Robert Thomas has the potential to really outproduce his deal. However, that doesn't excuse some of the longer term commitments for much older players. On the forward side, that's Braden Chin, who has a terrific bounce back season in terms of production, but has six years left at $6.5 million. He doesn't drive play well enough to be worth that in the back half, given that he turns 31 at the end of the month. The bigger issue, are on, bigger issues are on defense. The new Nick Weddy deal is already rough. Market, mark on Scandella, he type, has two years left, and Corey Krug isn't aging very gracefully at all. The biggest issue, according to the model, is Colton Pareto. He's sneaky old at 29. God. <laughs> sneaky old at 29. You're the
1: sneaky old one. Fuck
0: you, Dom. How old are you, Dom? Probably 25. I wonder if he's got a dom is... no. no, no, no. I
1: think he is, sadly, young, where you're like, how have you done so much already?
0: Yeah, I, knew. I know. it. I know. He's like 28. At most. Um, and he's already declined from his peak. He was one of the very best defensive defenders in the league, but he's lost that element over the years and doesn't have the offensive upside to deliver at his price tag. And that's now at age 37. Good luck. There's a chance he can turn it around just like a Justin Falk, who was previously maligned using this very exercise. But the age concern given his style of play is very real. Um I don't think anything's totally unjustified here, um, other than some of the players who I think were graded kind of average that I think deserve to be well above that. But uh, our defensive cap situation is a hot mess, and it's going to continue to be unless we pull off some trade that we're not expecting. And uh, it's probably going to take more than one. So, would you like to dive into the mailbag, Ian?
1: I want to go as far away from Dom as possible.
0: Good. Uh, wash yourself, quinge yourself. Um, In the waters of Lake Minnetonka. That's right. By the waters of Babylon. Um, let's talk about, some of these are heavy hitter questions. Some of them are quicker questions. Let's get to all of them. Starting with our friend Jeff Ponder. Uh, he asked, catch up on your hot dog? Um I am not a Chicagoan, so I'm fine with ketchup on my hot dog. I'm a simple man. Ketchup's probably my go-to, or I'll do nothing. I'll do uh, also barbecue sauce on my hot dog, which maybe is a little controversial. Uh, I'm not a big fan of mustard or relish, just in general, so those tend to stay off of there, but I really like, you know, I like some of the adventurous hot dogs where they're like, ooh, chili dog or like, that's not all that adventurous. But you know, <laughs> you ever been to like a Living on the bins? edge. Yeah. <laughs> I was at a place the other day in Jacksonville called Hoptingers and they had like a specialty worse lineup and it was like, ooh, mac and cheese dogs and whatever else mm-hmm. dogs. And that's the kind of stuff. Like I do most of that. Uh, it's hard to really screw up a hot dog and it's also hard to really improve a hot dog. It just kind of- just kind of is so mm-hmm. um ketchup or no for you?
1: I I'll eat one without ketchup. Like I've, I'll oh yeah me get too. A, for I'll sure. get a That's hot dog like a for yeah. I'll get a hot dog for like a dollar fifty or whatever as you do at Costco and and just chow down the thing with nothing on it. uh Ketchup on it. I'll put ketchup on it. it tastes good with uh, with ketchup on it. If I'm getting a Chicago style dog, I won't have ketchup on it. I mean, obviously, someone else is making it for me, so they're not gonna throw that shit on there um i love chicago hot dogs i know you're not a big mustard relish person but mustard relish the the way too big tomatoes on the side like the old peppers all that stuff the peppers that are like fluorescent green i love it so good
0: i want to say i'll eat it in that context i'm not like i'm not like so anti mustard and and relish i just wouldn't put it on like a dog at home but if i'm Mm -hmm. eating like a proper chicago dog oh sure i'll do that all chicago
1: you, you fucked up your pizza so hard but that's in, in my in my humble opinion wow but your hot dog game amazing
0: i'm gonna be controversial i like the pizza it's not the best i don't think that's controversial i think a lot of people like, like <laughs> well Deep I mean, dish. controversial here ian we disagree on almost nothing so you know um we gotta take the conversation. <laughs> those, those
1: deep dish, those deep dish pizzas, when people are like, You want a deep dish pizza? i go I ask them for like for dogs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. That made my night. Um and if you don't know that story, just listen to every episode in our archives until we tell it at some other point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um that guy. At that guy, eight one nine six two eight four three tweets tweets, uh, will the special teams be as good as they were last season? Uh, I don't think they'll be as good when you lose a major coach and you lose a major force. And David Perron, it's hard to imagine how they could be as good. Um, mm. But will they be considerably worse? I don't think so. I mean, I think they'll still be very good, probably not best in the league but top 10 probably I would still think we're probably in that category what do you think
1: yeah power play it's gonna hurt not having Perron for sure um being the the poor man's poor man's poor man's Alex Ovechkin in his his spot that's gonna suck but hopefully a Jordan Kairou um even a Jake Neighbors perhaps you know can fill in for some of that take some of those goals on themselves so that'd be nice penalty kill I thought we we did pretty well and I don't really necessarily see that changing so I think it can be I think it can be about the same I think the power play of either of them is going to take the step back but I, I was trying to look it up real quick I think we were we were top 10 for sure so I think we could still be top 10 it might just be you know might be eight nine ten or something like that yeah. I, I just think we still have we I don't like that David Ferrand's not here, but we still have nine, no, nine, eight other forwards that scored 20 plus goals last year. I don't think that's necessarily gonna happen again, but those all there's eight forwards that have that capability. So you put those guys in the power play, I think they're gonna produce.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, I agree. I think we'll be fine. Uh, Ray Barilly's blue glove at KMW 504 asks us prediction of blues record for next season. Ray, we're going to do our prediction when we get closer to the season. If I had to have a gun to my head right now, I'd probably be a little controversial and say like 42, 32 and eight, just barely missing the playoffs. Uh, A surprising disappointment, but I don't know that I really believe that. It's just like my negative Nancy self right now. So uh, that's what I would say. But I'm not even calling that the official prediction until we get a little closer. Uh, Ian, where are you at? Ian, that's
1: for about 42. So does that? That's 92 points.
0: Yeah, that's not... Fuck. I didn't
1: murder him, Ian. That's Vancouver <laughs> last year.
0: Vancouver had 92 points?
1: Yeah. That's only that's two points worse than Vegas. Um,
0: Vegas almost made the playoffs; they just didn't.
1: Oof, 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 oof. I'm gonna say I don't know what the re- I don't know what the record would no, be in this then. case, but I'm gonna say under 100 points. We had 109 last year. I'm gonna say, am I really chalking up nine whole points to David Perron? Yes, yes I. Am. <laughs> um, David
0: Perron and Jim Montgomery.
1: That's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna put us at ninety-nine. Torch,
0: I think. I mean. I really think the big one is Billy Houston, which we sometimes forget. About, oh yeah. But, um, oh
1: God, I don't. Oh, I mean, this, this is the worst. That's the worst part. I think that's actually the worst part. Could be. Could be. The cataclysmic is the fact that if Bennington goes down, oh, has yeah. a terrible patch that they got to start over. Thomas Grace.
0: Yeah, it's over. Yeah, the, um, thing,
1: the thing of it is right is he's there to be the backup and only the backup the minute he has to be anything but the backup you're are you are already looking for another goalie. you're already like though the wheels are turning you're looking for that one goalie that's overperforming just a little bit and then someone else's backup and you're like it's anti ronta we need you know we're, we're trading a second and something else to get us anti ronta because we need fucking help because there's no way. He's only the backup. And even when he's only the backup, I'm not excited. In fact, I'm terrified. So <laughs> <laughs> um, now even just thinking about that, my my prediction is plummeting. I have 89 points, 79. <laughs> uh, 14 points. 1-4. <laughs> <the> one, <laughs> one, four, 14. <laughs> um, 98. I'll give him 98 points.
0: That's not so bad. Um, we got a couple of similar questions. Uh, Dr. F-117 Nighthawk at Dr. F-117 Nighthawk, nice work, uh, said, how but also why? And then our dear friend, Justin Hornicker, co-host of uh, the Soccer Talk Wads podcast. Ian, do you remember the Soccer Appear- Talk Wads Apparently podcast?
1: the only other co-host. <laughs> yeah,
0: apparently. Um, a, a podcast on the Two Guys, One Cup podcasting network, the podcasting kingdom you might even call it. Uh, he asks, first-time caller, long-time listener, uh, neither, well, one of those things is true. My question is why, but also how? I'll hang up and listen off-air. Um, why, but also how, and how, but also why are the two questions. I would you, say,
1: it's a, you have to know how before you can get to that full answer why.
0: Yeah, that's true. And uh, I don't know either. It's a, I'm assuming these are blues-related questions. It's a mess right now, and I'm still hoping for the shock trade. I'm still hoping for something, you know, that we didn't expect, something cool, something wicked this way comes, that sort of a thing. Um, I'm not counting on it, and in fact, I'd say it's unlikely, I, I think, uh, but I would love for it to happen because I do feel a little bit like um, you know, we're, I mean, we're just clearly a worse team right now. So, uh, I would like to either be better or be more consciously rebuilding. And the fact that we're doing neither right now kind of worries me. Any thoughts on that?
1: I, I think the only thing that's like making me excited about this year is, it's a couple of things, but it's like, I'm seeing Thomas and Cairo, hopefully take, go, take the reins even more than they did last year. Um, being able to see neighbors hopefully crack this lineup and, and what he can do at a young age. And that's it. <laughs> and, that, <laughs> and that's it. Uh, I mean, I love Paul Bushnevich. i love to see him hit 30 goals again. I mean, that, that'd be really nice, especially given the fact that we're probably going to lose Tarasenko this summer, anyhow. So to have someone score that many goals for us still would be a big boon. But yeah, that's, that's why are we gonna miss the playoffs? Um, it's because of the how, because no one could score. Just kidding. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's it'll be interesting. I feel like there were a lot of moves made by other teams and some of how the blues do and you know, this league is gonna have come down to how the central shakes out, right? Like I think Winnipeg is a dumpster um i think chicago is even more of a dumpster and i don't even know if nashville is any good they're they're fine dallas is kind of on the rocks i think this is really um a like you saw last year a colorado run division obviously followed by minnesota and st louis like if, if we're able to, to play well enough right um because the rest of this division is either a, a giant question mark or just terrible. <laughs> so, so you should be able to to at least make the playoffs. I think um, that's how this team will do, and why will they not get past the first round? Because they're going to play uh, Colorado. That's way.
0: Yep. Yep. Yep.
1: That's the yep. that's the thing. That's the thing, man. I, we're going to beat that drum this whole year i think thankfully we'll be distracted by actual games but until until that season starts i feel like it's just like are you good enough to beat colorado and if it's and if your answer is no or i'm not sure then you you don't have a good team i mean you might have a good team right but like you don't have a good enough team to be winning the cup so that's the hard part. When you're in a division, you're, we're basically back in the division with the Hawks, right? More or less. I think we're a better team than we were against playing some of those Hawks teams, but you're in a, a division where you, you're just going to have to beat them if you ever want to advance. And the hard part is they're fantastic. They just won the Stanley cup. So you're going to have to pull a miracle out of your butt. Do that answer how and why that, that's more of a what and also who,
0: I think you did it well. Uh, you did it better than me. I'll say that with, with, with confidence, uh, Brian Broadway, which by the way, no, Brian, excellent name. If that is your real last name, uh, at Brian STL, uh, how often do you think Cairo will be on Thomas's line this year? First half of last season when Cairo was his best, they were together a lot. I I R C, which for the kids who might not know, uh, stands for, if I recall correctly, um, I think they'll play together a lot on power play. I think they'll probably play together a fair amount when Barubi is shuffling the lines. Uh, but I think the team is probably stronger if they're not like primary line mates and they both get to drive play on separate lines. How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I think you're probably going to see them loaded up together right? when they need they need a goal. They need to to push to score because that's that's a dynamic duo. But at the same time. Yeah, we've seen Baruby basically split the offense up because he loves having it spread across all the lines. You'll see Cairo with O'Reilly and Saad. You'll see Cairo with Shen and Barbashev, like they did a lot of last year. Um, because I think you, who you can pair Thomas with, is especially with what we saw um, in the latter half of last season, you can just easily pair Thomas up with Tarasenko, and that was magic too. So a Bushnevich-Thomas Teresinko line is still one to behold and one to be scared of as the opposition. So Kairou, I feel like you can kind of throw on on any of those three lines, and he, like you said, can drive the play. He's the fast one. He's the one that's making players turn and, and beating guys, and he doesn't necessarily need someone feeding him the puck to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, yeah, I think they'll be together a lot, but I think he'll be, he'll find situations where they can help improve other players and and make, you know, multiple scoring lines. Plus, um, you know, Berube will want those guys to have some defensive responsibility on their lines as well. And, um, you know, he will look for that when he can on matchups, uh, Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sports underscore. uh, Ask, want to come on for a show? Uh, We'd love to have you on to talk boys hockey. I, you know, I I think we'd do that anytime. I don't want to speak for Ian. He barely comes on his own podcast. So, (laughs) yes.
1: You talk to our people. Our people will talk to you.
0: Yeah, we'll put you in touch with our agents. Uh, Producer Tim. That's right. And uh, gift Jeff. Um, who's just had a child? Congratulations, Jeff. Uh, I made reference to that in the last, in the intro because uh, we're terrible people and we forgot to formally do it. Yes, congratulations. Episode. Jeff. Um, and because I'm an even more terrible person, I made uh reference to it by making fun of him in the intro so yes congratulations oh, Jeff. welcome to the world little kelly rosen nickerson and uh you know um we're we're glad to have you aboard this tele- celestial body is that a thing that you can call the planet um, oh boy
1: you can if you believe in crystals <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it's flat anyway so that's right welcome to the disc yeah uh Now, finally, I'm very excited by these last two questions. I don't know if one knew about the other. Um, They did, obviously, because of how things work, come in uh, at different times. So one of them could have read the other. Um, Patrick Yoder asked us, and he's at the pie in the sky, but pie is spelled P Y, uh, which is very clever. I gotta give him, I gotta give him that because that's those are his initials, folks. That's how that worked. Uh he asked red version or blue version. Um, and then David A. Kism or Chisholm at Kism underscore D. Uh, this this was really cool. I was you know kind of shocked when i read this he said i just want you to know that i'm a counselor who works with kids when you guys talk about pokemon it actually gives me good material to use with my clients because they are obsessed with it so any pokemon related brands would be appreciated lol so i thought these questions went hand in hand first of all i i wanted to be very clear with uh david kism uh ian is actually not allowed around children so i hope that you're just reproducing what uh, you hear on the podcast and saying I live across from
1: a school and that's okay
0: yeah <laughs> but those are like grown-up children you know they're like
1: uh is it bad, is it bad that I, earlier then i was going to tell you my plans tomorrow morning are to sit out on my deck behind my house and watch everyone go to high school and be <laughs> like ah, i ain't gotta do that shit no more
0: <laughs> that's awesome uh i love that thank you uh, that's my you're my spirit animal for that. Is this their first day tomorrow or something? Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, these those poor, poor, poor bastards. We won't tell you what school it is. Um, but uh if you're south of the parkway, then you know you might <laughs> find it there. Um Ian's Ian's location has been confirmed.
1: <laughs> I've triangulated where I'm at. The mob is coming. <laughs> That's right.
0: Um, but moving into the red and blue debate, uh, you know, if if anyone doesn't know about Pokemon, the primary differences between Pokemon games uh, have to do with what Pokemon's Pokemon's. At, obviously, how at. old are you? Yeah, Fucking good lord it's pocket monster it's already pluralized everybody knows that <laughs> it was my mistake so let's be very queer on that uh but the primary difference of course as anybody knows this is that there are different pokemon uh in the games based on which version you buy so like uh one pokemon game might have lechonk obviously they won't deprive either of lechonk i'm just saying as you know as a hypothetical and the other might have you know some adorable little rabbit Pokemon or something, you know? Um, And this is a tradition that dates back all the way to Pokemon Blue and Pokemon Red. And it is a a shameless promotional technique designed to (laughs) encourage you to either buy both games Uh, both game cartridges, or at least convince a friend to buy the other one and buy the gaming cables and everything that you need to trade back and forth so you can catch them all. Um, But, you know, it's Pokemon. This is their world. We're just living in it. So um, with that being the primary difference between blue and red, I went and pulled a list of uh, which Pokemon were in which game, and it made my decision extremely easy, Ian. the. Blue exclusive Pokemon, where Ekans and Arbok snakes, uh, you know, an evolution of each other. Are you sure? I
1: think that's in red.
0: Well, this is what the list said.
1: I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm on, I'm on, I'm, right. on, right. I'm on, uh, Cerabee, Cerabee.
0: That's Hold that's, up. that's
1: legit. Although, oh, let's check okay. yeah, the, Let's make sure. You're right.
0: You're right. I didn't read the full article. These Pokemon cannot be obtained in these versions. Okay, let me. That's fucking me, Why? Why the
1: fuck why, would someone do this? These the that? These are the ones that should okay. not be in that so,
0: one. So let me rephrase. The exclusives to red, even though they're here listed under blue in the notes because someone was an asshole, <laughs> uh, they are Ekans and Arbok. Arthok, um not useful as a Pokemon, but a very cool design. Oh, yeah. Um probably more useful now that Poison is a typing, um, and underutilized typing. And and Ian, you're a big fan of dots. So uh, you're probably a big dots. fan of poison. Uh, every time in Horizon that I, uh, I don't want, this is, this is, a, I don't want to get emotional, Ian, but every time I use a fire arrow and it does the dots damage to these machines, I think of you a little bit. See. Me happy. Um, they also, in Pokemon Red, uh, have Oddish Gloom and Vileplume, Plume, the trio of grass Pokemon. They have Mankey and Primate. Uh Primeape, they have Growlithe and Arcanine, they have Scyther, and they have Electabuzz, and then uh you can't get Mew in either game. So that's fun. Um the blue versions exclusives, which are listed under red because someone was an asshole, uh, were Sandshrew and Sandslash, Bellsprout Bell Sprout, Weepin' Bell and Victory Bell, Meowth and Persian, Vulpix and Ninetales, Pincer and Magmar. Um Ian. Having said all that, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first on which version uh, I prefer? Or- you know,
1: I I had blue first, but I think um, but eventually I got red. I was also so young that I don't really remember how I acquired these, but like I had blue first. I remember that much, but I must've played a lot of red because I remember having Arbok on my team for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I always feel like I... I spiritually drift more towards blue and, and all of blues, um, cool, cool colored brethren. So like blue version, silver version, sapphire, mm. uh, diamond, all that stuff. I'm always like all oh, the, the cooler colors. Um, and I like some of these on here. I like pincer. I like Sandra and sand slash, but I feel like red's got the cooler ones. Like again, mm-hmm. Arbok I used a lot. Um, Mankey and Primaver are pretty cool. Growlithe and Arcanine, no question, awesome. Scyther's super dope. Electabuzz, I think I like maybe Magmar a little more than Electabuzz, but Electabuzz is still very cool. So, like, I like blue. Like, just, I don't know, As I, I vibe with blue, but I think the better Pokemon exclusives are in red.
0: Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. Um... I, with no disrespect to any of the exclusives from Blue, except for Victory Bell, because that whole evolution was just a... Uh, Bell of kind of cute, but it gets worse from there. <laughs> um, man, some so of true. those Pokemon that are exclusive to Red are like my dudes. And I can't remember dating because i'm so old now i honestly can't remember if they became my dudes because like i played red a lot and had them or if they just were like my dudes all along but like i'm a big 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 vile plume stan um hmm. i'll get vile plume in just about any game i can i don't know why because um he's very weak to fire and stuff but i i like him slash her anyway Primate, I feel like, uh, Mankey and Primate were like big in the actual anime, um, and uh, I really remember their episode well, and I always thought they were cool, because they were just like, you know, angry monkeys. Scyther, one of my favorite Pokemon designs of all time, he's like a little praying mantis ninja, you know, how can you, if you don't know what Scyther looks like, look him up, because Scyther and Scissor, I got to tell you just top-notch in my mm-hmm. opinion. I, how do you feel about Scyther? Are you a big Scyther fan? Oh, yeah. You know? I love Scyther. Yeah. I mean, how do you not love Scyther? I mean, look at the guy. Look at him. Man. It's, it's, I love him. Um, but then uh, most props have to go out to my boy, K Nine, who is top of the heap, up there, maybe, maybe my favorite Pokemon of all time. Very, I mean, just I mean, how can you go wrong with a giant, regal, flaming dog? You know, like, I don't know how you can mess that up. The boy is floofy and he's dangerous. (laughs) And that's a powerful combo, you know? (laughs) Um, Floofy and dangerous is really what you're going for. Um, And, uh, yeah, he just looks, he looks regal. He looks adorable. He looks uh, vicious. He can pull it off. He walks every line. He's Arcanine, baby. Uh, And for him alone, for him alone, I would go Pokemon Red because I am that much of an Arcanine stand. Uh, But, uh, you know, I really I prefer the whole lineup, except I will give Sandslash a major shout out. uh, Sandslash Rocks as well. Um, No pun intended because, uh, you know, ground and rock type, I assume. Is that what he is? He's only ground. Only ground, but in yeah. any case. One rocks. of the
1: one of the few one of the very few, like except in was only he only ground a, types. When or was like he in a Gen one?
0: When was he an ice Pokemon? Was oh, that a whole one? Yeah, Gen
1: 7. Yeah. Their, their did, fake Hawaii version.
0: Why were there ice Pokemon in Hawaii? What was what was going if on? If you there? go, if
1: you go to the top of Maui or probably the big islands, it's it's cold up there.
0: There can be snow in Hawaii,
1: but you gotta go to the very tip top.
0: Okay, but then why did they make that a major feature? <laughs> video Probably videos. more for just fun. Every other things. one is set in some place much colder. Uh, they had a France one. Again. France.
1: France. Um, this new one's going to be Spain.
0: Is there any other new? I really like. I'm motivated to talk Pokemon now because the you know mental health of children depends on it. That's uh, right. It's not self-aggrandizing or self-promoting at all. That's <laughs> just. That's just what our friend david kism said okay that's his words not mine these um, children depend on us that's right is there any is there any other pokemon news we need to talk about is Cy- cyclizer uh the latest update i think it probably is yeah right?
1: have you have you heard of the new the new gimmick they're going to have in this this oh, uh no. version
0: <laughs> what is no it's it, actually not Mac- too bad
1: pokemon it looks kind of silly but it it's interesting it's like called ter- terrestrializing and that's so, right. so they uh, take like a little crystalline looking form. Uh, they just uh, look the uh, same, but crystalline. <laughs> but you you change their type. You can completely change their type. So you can have like a Charizard uh, and you throw it out and you go, this Charizard's water. Uh, I don't like but the, that. but the look's weird. They'll look crystally, and like if they're water, they'll have like a giant crystal water drop hat on. <laughs> um, but it's interesting oh boy, for I'm like... i watching it now. I don't
0: like <laughs> it. Why do they gotta, like, do a new thing? Every, every single Gen Be battle. the same thing. Be one thing.
1: I think for, like, Gen 3, they did double battles. Gen 4, oh, they man. even did, like, some triple battles. Gen 5, I think they did Sky battles. And then 6 was um Mega Evolutions, which was cool. And then... Mega
0: Evolutions were cool. Like, I didn't mind it. it. They were fine. But I hated that, like, every gym battle... Oh yeah, that way you know. Yeah, that
1: you go, You know every gym in this thing. Their last Pokemon is gonna be, uh, freaking terrestrializing, just like in Gen Eight. Every oh, last yeah. one was oh, yeah. Giga Maxing or whatever. Oh,
0: you think I'm the Fire type, <laughs> and you got a lot of Water Pokemon? Well, now I've got an Electric type. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, I wish I wish I did a little more, boy. like to make yeah. them look different rather than just like you look like a crystal with a weird hat on. Um, but there you go. You know that's their that's their gimmick. They gotta have a gimmick every every generation now. So oh,
0: boy. <laughs> all right, all right. Even I'll with the Debbie,
1: Debbie Downer impersonation.
0: Yeah, that's true. um Ian. That's the world of Pokemon. We'll talk more Pokemon as as often as we get a chance. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss? You finally saw the main event of SummerSlam Mm -hmm. all these years later. Any thoughts? Any takeaways? Any major uh, ideas?
1: I was glad that they actually used that front loader uh, of the tractor, because I thought all he was going to do was drive. All Brock Lesnar was going to do was drive it up to the ring and then jump out like he did. And maybe he would like smack Roman reign's head against it or something and that'd be, yeah. uh. but when he like got in there and moved the ring I was like, oh that's pretty fun And then when he like lifted it up I was like, oh shit and the only regret and I get why they wouldn't do it because it's probably too hard and they don't want these guys to get actually hurt was I was kind of hoping they'd go back in the ring like one more time If they were a high flying if one of them was high flying I wanted one of them to try and climb to the top of that lifted up corner and like dive off of it. I was like, that's probably a little too actually dangerous, but that would have been dope. Um, Otherwise, other than, I mean, it was fantastic. It was a great, it was a great main event.
0: It's just, I don't, you know it's it's fun to enjoy wwe again and i know a lot of people are are into aw it just has never quite captured me but like oh it's such a breath of fresh air to like i want to come home and watch ron smackdown now do you know how many years it's been since i've been like sat down and turned on ron smackdown on purpose on a monday or friday night not having you know, it in
1: the background where I demand been, it. There
0: have been a couple nights lately, and where I was like out doing something. It was like seven thirty on a Monday, and I thought, "Oh crap, I gotta get home." <laughs> <I> gotta watch <laughs> Raw. Um, that has you know, it, it's it's just a, what a turnaround. But tri- Triple H, we love you. You know how can you not? How can you not love Triple H? So. Um, except for all the terrible things i'm sure he's probably done but you know we don't have to talk but about as that, you that, know as a professional that's just stuff yeah professional exactly um anything i think there's been a pretty long podcast actually when you think about it so uh, given pod, the people yeah. content anything else you want to say or should we hang up and get out of here
1: just hang up let the let the kids live their pokemon dreams
0: that's right uh folks um yeah, that's all I got to say. There's, it's, it's not the last day of summer. It's not anything. I mean, it's, it's Nick Nicholas's birthday. It's also Craig Council's birthday, manager of the uh, Milwaukee Brewers I learned in passing today. So good for him, I guess. But um, that's all we got. Uh, we will have a schedule pretty soon. Prospect Pyramid's coming up next week. Did we say? Yeah, I think so. Uh, so that'll be our next thing. Misery Index not long after that. We'll dive into the division previews we'll dive into a blues preview and then it'll be puck drop on opening night of the blues season until uh next time though um i hope your puck drops are clean and your centers are never disqualified and you have a wonderful week ahead of you good night
1: see ya time to play the game
0: time to play the game All about the game, and how you play it, all about control, and if you can take it, all about your debt, and if you can pay it, it's all about pain, and who's gonna make it, I am the game, you don't wanna play me, I am control, no way you can shake me, I am heavy debt, no way you can pay me, I am the pain, and I know you can't take me, look over your shoulder, ready,